Welcome back to Unstable and Unbridled. I'm Liz. And I'm Rachel. We have a special guest this evening. She is a card holder in the Women's Professional Rodeo Association, multiple time qualifier to the WPRA Great Lakes Circuit Finals Rodeo, WPRA Futurity Reserve World Champion, arena record holder, and many other wins and placings at rodeos, barrel races, and futurities all over the nation. Welcome, Cassie Hohenstein. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're really excited to talk to you about all the different things that you do. Yes, that's, uh, well, I hope I can be entertaining and tell you guys some stuff you can learn. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, your general basic, like, thing you do is barrel racing, correct? Yes. uh, The the thing I've I've been focusing on basically since college. That's when I really started to get into just barrel racing by itself. Okay. What did you do before college? Like, just rode for fun and stuff? Um, actually, I showed pleasure horses. I showed pants and quarter horses um, all through middle school and high school. And then when I went to college, I went to North Dakota State. Um, I had to kind of choose between the rodeo team or the um, IHSA team. And I had a barrel horse that I just did local fun stuff with, but I wasn't super serious about it. Um, but I wanted to ride my own horse, so that's why I picked the rodeo team. And then I fell in love with college rodeo and the craziness that is rodeo (laughs) so that's why I kind of went that direction as opposed to the um horse show thing anymore so do you when you talk about your sport like do you primarily refer to it as rodeo or do you say barrel racing or both like how do you if you're just telling someone who knows nothing about horses like what would you say about what you do if it's somebody that knows nothing about horses, I do usually say rodeo because people tend to know more what a rodeo is than as opposed to barrel racing. But I guess when I do talk to fellow horse people that don't know uh, or that don't know much about the difference, I kind of usually refer to it as barrel racing, but it's also rodeo. Um, barrel racing has three pretty distinct sectors, I guess I would say. Um, there's just the general barrel racing which most people also call jackpot barrel racing and that's where there's just events of just purely barrel racing and then we have rodeo of course which is rodeo barrel racing which is including all the other rodeo events and everything like that and then we have the fraturity sector which is usually in with just regular barrel racing and that's just our young horses our fraturity horses are either four-year-olds or some of them hold to fives okay Uh Um, so when do you typically start the training of a barrel horse? Like when would you in their lifespan start training them to be barrel racers? Most, most horses get started as two year olds. Some wait till three, um, with just general riding. Most people don't start actual barrel work until they're, um, at least kind of later in their two year old years. And then they go, um, start what we call exhibitioning them as three-year-olds that's where we go to barrel races and pay to just do practice runs Um, and then just it's general working time to work them as well in different arenas and different things like that um the very first time that you can enter your if you're going to futurity your horse if you're going to declare your horse either as a four-year-old or a five-year-old as their futurity year you cannot run them until november 15th the year before you declare their futurity year so right now i currently have two 
futurity horses that are four-year-olds. So I did not run them until November 15th of 2020 because 2021 was going to be declared their futurity year. So uh, can you do that at any age with a horse if they've never barrel raced or do they still have to be like six or under or something? To futurity, they have to be four or five. And it depends on the futurity. There's a couple that are are limited to four-year-olds only um most of the ones that are five-year-olds are either fours and fives so the biggest one of the year that we call the barrel fraternity of fraternities of america championship fraternity is limited to four-year-olds so um and that is always the second weekend in november and it's at the lazy e in guthrie oklahoma it used to be at oklahoma city after December 1st, but now they kicked it back <laughs> a couple of years ago. They moved it back to November 15th um, so that anybody that made the national finals rodeo, so that's the rodeo barrel racers, could attend both events. Hmm. So with everything that's happened in the last year, can people still come and like spectate at your barrel races and rodeos and stuff? Well, I live in Oklahoma and we have been pretty much wide open the whole time. <laughs> Free for all. <laughs> Basically, so um, that's cool. Pre- I mean, so as far as like fraternities and stuff, uh, the Lazy E, like where, where the BFA was, uh, they are privately owned, so they can essentially do whatever they want. Okay. So um, we had the, or I mean, the, the BFA was pretty much a whatever. Um, we did have another fraternity at the f- beginning of December in Oklahoma City at the fairgrounds, and we had to wear masks in the Coliseum to watch. Otherwise, in the barns or nothing like that, they weren't required. Okay. So, um, as far as rodeos went in 2020, um, a lot were canceled um, uh, because of rodeos are obviously nationwide. The Prairie Circuit, which is my circuit of Oklahoma, Kansas, and Nebraska, did end up having quite a few, but they had less than half. Okay. Um, Texas, again, had quite a few, but less than half. The Great Lakes Circuit, which is my old circuit because I'm from Minnesota, they had maybe a 25% of theirs. Um, There was one rodeo circuit, the the Columbia River, which is the northwest, the very northwest, they had zero. Hmm, that's too bad. So yeah. um, it was very, and then, you know, Canada didn't have any. Canada has their own rodeo association, but they also sanction a lot with the pro rodeo stuff in the States. And so they pretty much didn't have any. Um, so it was it was heavily hit. Um, I would say rodeo was more than just barrel racing because barrel racing, you kind of don't. There isn't a ton of spectating anyway, so they, they kind of just let us kind of have everything. Yeah. Um, down in the south i should say the <laughs> barrel racers up north kind of didn't get fair as well as we did yeah so um but then yeah rodeos were hit harder just because they are considered more of a spectator event right. than just a plain barrel race so so this is maybe a question i should have asked immediately but um my knowledge of barrel racing is that you have a pattern that you do around three barrels and you try to do that as fast as possible without knocking over the barrels is that does that sum it up or do you have a more eloquent way to to tell us what what exactly barrel racing is nope that's it okay Um, it's it's a beautiful event because we are not judged it's kind of nice it's just the clock so there's a hundred million ways to drain it there's a hundred million ways to do it and you know um 
I guess the only difference I could add is, you know, they're set up in the cloverleaf pattern is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the choice to either go to the right barrel first or the left barrel first with the other two barrels being turned the opposite direction. Okay. So you could go left, right, right, or right, left, left? Correct. And then we have a set standard pattern that we all call a standard pattern, and that's where we have, like, world records and things like that. Um based on that but the pattern is always adjusted to the arena size oh okay so sometimes your barrels are closer together than other times yes because sometimes just arenas don't allow for a true what we call standard pattern okay um a standard pattern is 90 feet between the first and second barrel and then 105 feet between those two barrels and the third barrel Okay. And then, um, and then there's a score line to, to the timer, which is 40 foot. And that's your technical standard pattern. And then the barrels have to be a minimum of 25 feet off the fence to have that. So, um, so the world records like with, cause barrel racing has blown up in Brazil. Oh. And so the Brazilians actually have their world records right now, which I believe is a 16.3 seconds. Anything sub 17 is considered very, very good. Obviously, it depends on your ground conditions and all of those things. Um, the Brazilians, they have a very nice arena that they keep setting the record at. <laughs> and so, and these guys ride amazingly and they just ride these super fast horses. They, we actually had a lot of horses exported to Brazil, a lot of um, barrel horses in the last probably 20 years. And so um, their breeding program has exploded down there and they have some very, very, very nice horses. So yeah, actually right now that's where the world record is, is the Brazilians. Do you know <laughs> so, why that is like that? That was my next question. Do boys barrel race a lot or is it mostly girls? Because I feel like up here it seems to be mostly girls. The rodeo world in the WPRA, you have to be born a female to have, to join the WPRA. Um, as far as, so to compete in rodeos sanctioned by the WPRA, and that is also any rodeo most rodeos sanctioned by the PRCA. The PRCA is the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. They so sanction all the men's events. Um, you have to be a female. Um, Do they allow just... trans athletes? No, you have to be born. Or that was just. Oh. Uh, that was. I don't, supposedly there was one that competed not that long ago. Okay. So you used to have to send in your birth certificate. Now I've noticed when oh. I that oh. they've changed that. So I don't really know i know that there was one permit holder that did a trans that competed and in like a permit race which is just a barrel race where a permit holder is anybody that hasn't won a thousand dollars in the wpra okay liz is gonna pop a beer quick one second okay so so but um otherwise as far as it is mostly female except for in the futurity world the guys are doing very, very well as futurity trainers. Hmm. They are, they, that's another place where they're kind of really coming along as the guys have, I mean, there's been guys winning in the futurity world for a long time, but then they've like really come out in the last, I don't know, probably 15 years that there's been a ton of men jump into the futurity world because follow the, you know, it's kind of like follow the dollars. That's where there's a lot of money to do one in barrel racing is in the futurity world. And so the guys have come along and done very, very, very well. 
Okay, pause one sec. Liz has to pour out her beer into the glass now. It's very noisy. The microphones, like, pick up every little noise there is. It's so annoying. Um, We'll let that stop fizzing for a second. (laughs) Um, So you said anything sub 17 seconds is considered, like, very fast. What's your fastest time? On a standard, I've only ever gotten to compete in a super deep sandy arena on a standard, so I run a high 16.8. That sounds pretty fast to me. Right, but it was like I said, the Brazilians they have that that ground on their arena where they're setting those arena records. Their ground is spectacular. So um, just gotta go to Brazil. Yeah, (laughs) my favorite my favorite barrel racing joke. Everyone will ask you, or everyone will laugh about this. It's 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 just the truth. Um, Why are barrel racers always cremated? Because the ground's never good enough. (laughs) (laughs) What's, like, the best ground to run on? Like, what's your favorite? Is there, like, a favorite facility you like? Or, like, a type of footing? Or, like, a depth? Or... Um, it varies so absolutely greatly. Um, if you're going to rodeo, you better just throw whatever your favorite is out the door because you're going to run on everything from basically concrete to knee-deep sand um, and mud and all of the above. Um, do, you but... ever, do you ever fall down when you turn around a barrel? Yes, I have fallen multiple times. That sounds scary. Yeah, it does sound scary. It, it is, and, and it's dangerous, of course, because that's why people get really upset about the ground because of these are our horse athletes, and yeah. we don't want them hurt, you know, just as much as you guys in the venting don't want to have a rotational fall or anything like that. You know, right. we don't want any any anybody to get hurt or anything like that. So that's why, of course, ground is always a, always a subject. Um, and also... The hard thing about barrel racing, too, as far as ground goes, like at a barrel, at bigger barrel races, when they can run between 600 to 1,000 horses in one event, keeping the ground the same every single time. Um, normally, the typical barrel racing is they'll do a tractor drag around the barrels after every five runners, and then they'll drag the whole arena every 50. Okay. So that's kind of your typical. Some of the barrel races that have gotten a little higher payout, they'll drag every three. Wow, that's um, takes every time. Could you imagine be, <laughs> if every third show jump around they drug the arena? Oh my god, it'd take forever. <laughs> yeah, I'd never get out of there. Well, we shoot to run. Most places shoot to run fifty an hour, and it's pretty. The best the best producers can run sixty an hour. Like they wow. can get everybody hustling in out of there, and they've got great tractor crews, and they get they get two three tractors going at a time. And wow. yeah, they, that's crazy. The that's like less than a minute per person, and it dragging the arena. Right, and I mean they what? they get to whip it. The best ground crews in the in the country, they have it to an art about, yeah. and then how to keep it the same for the whole race. Wow. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm just, like cool. imagining what a mayhem it was. I can just be. see them like, quick, get the tractor! <laughs> like, like dragging it. It's like the Zamboni in between the periods. Like, Yeah, they literally just fly through. And then on the big drags at 50, they always do a little bit extra um, and things like that. Because they do spend a little more time with the bigger drags. But huh. the, every five, they get to flying around and they all, surprisingly, I'm like, I don't know how they don't hit each other, but right? they don't. Do you have, um, like, a set ride time, or do you just have to, like, show up in numerical order, or how does it get determined when you go in the order? There's a draw. It's always a random draw. Okay. 
So, so it's not like, oh, I'm always at the end. <laughs> no, no, it's always, a, it's just a random draw. Um, rodeos are the same. So at a regular rail race, it's just usually you drop when you drop. Rodeos allow you to do preferences. Um, rodeos are always super fun and tricky because you're talking multiple days. So how about it's dry on Friday and then it rained all day Saturday and then you have mm. to run in the rain. Yeah. Um, so obviously you kind of have to gamble. Um, you can preference, typically at most rodeos, you can preference what day you want to try to, you know, fit into your schedule and things like that. Um, and the WPRA, all of us card holders have preference oh. over the permit holders so they don't make it easy to break through unfortunately um and then also in rodeos if you go and watch a rodeo you're going to pretty much watch 10 to 12 people in every event there's a lot more people that have entered that rodeo and we have what is called slack and it's typically after the rodeo or it's like the next morning or it's in the middle like if a four day, rodeo is like four days long, they'll have slack like sometime in the middle in a morning. And you are still in the rodeo. You just get to run when nobody's watching. Yeah, you're just not impressive enough to get a crowd. <laughs> you don't get an audience. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with that. And there's pros and cons to it because the pros are you typically be- get better ground because they drag as many as there are in the performance. Um, and often they'll drag during the barrel race it for during slack but they don't drag before you run in the performance oh. so there's advantages it's also quieter so right. if you've got a really fast young horse that is, can't quite handle the crazy you know loudness of the rodeo performance the crowd the jumbotron all that you get the quiet and you get some oftentimes you get daylight a lot of slack runs are daylight runs as opposed to most barrel racing if you're in an evening performance they start at seven or eight o'clock so you're running at nine ten o'clock at night under oh. some lights so you there's pros and cons to all of it <laughs> when you like go to a rodeo or a barrel race like do you know like so you go there you like check in and then you know your schedule for the rest of the weekend or does it like change every day no, you know ahead of time. When you enter a rodeo, you're typically entering anywhere from a month to two, ten days in advance. And then the, immediately the day that we call it the books close, you usually find out a few hours later or the next morning right away when you're up. So then actually you can also call and trade positions with other people if you need to. Oh, that's good. Um, it becomes a game and an art form. Yeah. <laughs> um, That'd be nice. Then, You'd be like, let's yeah. trade dressage time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like yeah, getting entering, up in the morning. <laughs> entering is an art um, huh. because you have to, especially like the people trying to make the national finals rodeo, which is usually the big rodeo in Vegas at the end of the year every year. This year it was in Arlington, Texas. Um, they have to jockey some rodeos, especially around the 4th of July, we call Cowboy Christmas um, <laughs> because there's so many rodeos around the 4th of July um, that they have to just literally sit and play the game. And plus, you'll have two rodeos with their books open at the same time. Well, then you have to hope like heck you're going to get up when you need to to make your schedule, driving schedule work so you can make it to as many as you can in that short amount of time. Wow. So when you (laughs) are, like, getting ready to run your race, do you Uh have, like, a warm-up that you do, or do you ever have, like, a trainer that, like, helps you warm up? Like, when we go to horse shows, we might have, like, our trainer come and help us and, like, help you jump some fences before you go in the ring and, like, make a plan. Is that, is barrel racing like that at all, or you just kind of are on your own? Um, there are some 
Uh, most of the time, there if there, there's some youth, they will often have trainers. There are, um, but it's usually just coach. It's more just a coach form as opposed to a trainer. Um, normally, the, the nobody leaves their horse with a trainer, um, except for in the fraternity world. But then the fraternity pe- trainers ride the horses. Like okay. people don't leave their horse with a trainer and then they come run them on the weekend or something. That's very few and far in, in between. Uh, I grew up in pleasure horses, and that's what everyone did. Obviously, you know, like I can't just horse trainer. Yeah, I can't just show up to the, the rodeo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. No, um, so my warm-up, if I'm on a finished horse that knows what the rodeo is about and everything like that, I typically warm up kind of a couple events before me, so it it ends up being about, I don't know, 40 minutes per se before I run. I will kind of just get on and just, you know, loosen them up, just trot, well, pay attention, kind of things like that, just get their muscles warm. Yeah. Um, And then I typically get off, tie them up for a little while, let them relax a minute, put all their boots on because I don't like to heat up tendons um, until time. So then I put all their boots on, put my shirt and hat on, and then I go up. And then I just pretty much walk up to the pen. And it depends on how nervous they are that day. If they'll stand, I'll let them. If they won't, I'll just kind of keep them walking nice and keep them soft and moving. Um, So you don't get to, like, practice a – you don't get to run, like, a practice run as part of your warm-up? No, we typically try to not work the barrels as much as possible. Um, So, especially once a horse is finished, very rarely will I even make any runs at home unless there's something I need to tune. And if I do, I do it slow. Um, Mostly because it's so, everything is so high pressure. Horses that get ran a lot typically get sour really quick and then they won't go in the arena. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And you will at a at like a pro rodeo or something you have about 60 seconds of a judge screaming at you to get in or they're gonna just turn you out and you still have to pay for your round and everything like that um so i typically don't work mine once they know what they're doing on the barrels at all very rarely um my young horses obviously more because they go and then when we go fast they screw up and then i have to go back to slow when they fix it so when i'm on the Oh, sorry to interrupt you, but that kind of leads us like into one of our other questions. So what is like a day-to-day training program look like for one of your young horses? Like, what do you do on a day-to-day basis to prepare them for these performances if you're not just running barrels? (laughs) So I typically do, I try to ride, my horses are always turned out every day too. I turn them out in the pasture every single day um, so that I because I just feel like they stay sounder and happier and also keep themselves in better shape if mm-hmm. they're outside every day. So I turn them out every day for I, most of the times they're out eight hours a day. I try to, you know, if the weather's crummy, I'll at least try to get them out as much as I can. Um, so the biggest thing with our barrel horses is we have to get their lung capacity up to handle a certain amount of run without becoming bleeders. So, um, I do a lot of just, you know, long trot conditioning in the pasture. I will go breeze them at least every 10 days. Um, and then otherwise, I just do a lot of just softening work. Um, I ride in draw reins a lot. I'm a draw rein person. I also will, I call it bidding, you know, bidding my horses up in the round pen where I will tie them kind of to the saddle or themselves a certain way so that they give and stay soft always dynamic though i never just leave them in there um they're always moving and kind of training muscle memory as much as i can i walk around the barrels an awful lot 
um, just for all the muscle memory because I want their feet to be the same around the barrels every single time. Okay. So um, I'm just doing a lot of conditioning, a lot of softening work. Um, and uh, to me, drawings and softening work also is strength training, um, you know, because I want them to be able to hold themselves up around the barrels. We don't want any leaning, diving, anything like that, because that starts, that equals barrels falling down, and then we don't win any money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, <we> lose. <laughs> yeah, so I do, I do a lot of just softening, a lot of conditioning, and then a lot of just muscle memory work. Like, it's nothing for me to go walk. If I, if I have the barrel set up, I'm probably walking them a minimum of 10 times. Huh. And then also with the other work I'm doing, if, if I trot or lope or anything like that. Like I said, very rarely will I make a full-out run at yeah. home. Very, very rarely. So you said that they can become bleeders. So when you, like, run, if you haven't, like, conditioned them and you go to a barrel race and you run them as fast as they can... Like, just within that 17 seconds or less, like, they start bleeding? Yeah, they will. Gosh. Some do you, people do. Do you ever wear I, flare straps? Have you heard of them? Oh, yeah. There's plenty of racers that do flare straps. Um, yeah. I haven't had to use them. I usually keep my horses in pretty decent shape. I'm going to knock on some wood here. Yeah. I've never had a true bleeder. Um, Does the bleeding uh, come say, from their lungs or their noses? Well, it's their lungs coming out their noses. Exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that doesn't sound good term for it it's eiph and so yes um some people say certain bloodlines are um like prone to it like i said i haven't had any that i truly have had a true true bleeder oftentimes those horses will also get really gate sour too because obviously they can't breathe yeah so like, um <laughs> i have asthma I, and i get gate sour sometimes <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so it's it, most people control it with Lasix. Um, I try to, I don't love Lasix. Um, I, if it's necessary, by all means. Um, but I just don't like it because now, especially that I live in the South where it's hot, I really would rather not dehydrate my horse. Yeah. So I was going to say, I how try... does Lasix even help that? But the racehorses use those too. I know. That's why. That's why. But um, they like work on the kidneys to make you pee like crazy and get fluid out. It traps all your water weight and then so that there's no water or fluid on the lungs. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yes. And so that's why they... So it's often, some people also just use it as a performance enhancer because you are lightening the load and... Do you get drug tested, your horses? Are there drug restrictions? Um, that's a fun, touchy subject. Um, <laughs> okay, so in general, barrel racing at your regular Ophitrides and your regular big jackpots and everything like that, no. The WPRA has implemented, actually, the FEI stuff for a little while there. Um, but it's not super-duper strict, I should say. Um, if you're running on just your regular old doses of Butte, Banamine, Equiax, um, Dex, you know, if you've got a vet that'll, you know, say you've got some allergy issues, so Dex isn't usually a big deal. Yeah. Um, and Lasix, no, like you're, you're not going to get in trouble for those things. I have heard of people that getting tested that they've like stacked butenbanamine mm. and they just get a letter that says, don't do that. Huh. Um, so, so as long loose. as you're pretty on the basic and if you end up like over testing, like the, cause it's supposedly the, the same things is supposed to be it's 12 hours out i think yeah. right if you're going to give butte or something like that um if you end up testing a little bit more because you only gave it four hours ago you kind of just get a letter like wow. at least don't do that um are there rider drug tests they're more 
No, there's no rider drug test. That's that, free that, for would, all. that would be fun. <laughs> take all the drugs you want. No worries. Um, but no, as far as as far as the barrel horses go, if you're using the the quote unquote typical legal drugs, the gateway you're drugs, not going to get in a whole lot of trouble. You know, if you're just using the the basic stuff. Now, if you're using frog juice. And they test you for it. What's you're gonna get in a little more in trouble. Yeah, wait, what is that? Juice. That's that. Oh, it's like a. It's made from a frog. It's like morphine, but it's made Mom, from it's frog, frog venom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a level level five offense. Like Whoa. that one, you won't get in trouble for. Wow. So but I can't say people don't use it. Huh? Do people who barrel race do they ever wear helmets, <laughs> or do you always wear a hat? Um, helmets have become more popular in the last few years. Um, so there's a barrel racer that won the world championship a few years ago. Her name is Fallon Taylor. Um, Fallon is a either you love her or you hate her. Um, <laughs> Fallon's very flamboyant. All of her stuff is insanely bright and colorful and she loves all of those things. She's also super, she has a very successful podcast. She has a very successful clothing line. Um, she... She normalized wearing a helmet, I guess I would say. Um, you know, people did bef- before, you... but now they now it is more commonplace. Like Troxel came out with a whole line of her helmets. Like so, she made it she cool. Made them, yeah, she made them pretty. She made them, you know, design them how you want to. Huh. She she truly normalized them, I guess I would say, to where they are more commonplace. Um, you can't at any rodeo or barrel race you you can wear a helmet in place of a hat even in the wpra they have accepted that that you can wear a helmet you have to wear either one or the other you have to wear a hat a cowboy hat or a helmet do you guys ever wear like vests like like a rodeo rider like a whatever they're called the like a safety guys the guys do the rough stock guys do pretty much it's um well known in the bear rock riding the saddle punk riding the bull riding that those guys all wear vests and the bull riders have pretty much all started wearing helmets too but their helmets are similar to like hockey helmets yeah i was gonna say they look yeah. like, like hockey helmets. yeah, yeah. the job. horse the horse riders the bronc and the bareback guys they don't wear helmets they pretty much typically wear cowboy hats but they have all pretty much um converted to wearing vests and they also wear i think they're called hans units the the whiplash the neck devices the, yeah, yeah like for like the, the race car drivers wear like they wear those I'm, too a lot of them do i'm familiar with those <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the barrel racers do not, and then, um, and the guys, I have yet to ever, oh, I take that back, I did know one, um, boy in high school rodeo, he did wear a helmet when he steer wrestled, um, but otherwise, I've never seen one yet in the pro rodeos, other mm-hmm. than, oh, no, I did take that back, one guy did, a very prominent, well-known team roper that has won the world numerous times, suffered a severe mm-hmm. head injury outside of the arena, and he did wear one of the, like, helmet hats ride safe helmets for a couple of rodeos but i noticed he's back to a regular hat now again his brain healed so he's done with helmets (laughs) he's done the guys are a hard sell you know girls were kind of like "Eh, maybe we'll be safe but i will wear a helmet when i first am breaking my babies like i'll wear it for the first 10 rides or so but then i i just 10 rides that's so funny (laughs) (laughs) it's like such a different world yeah right i feel I like absolutely will only, naked if I get on yeah. a horse without a helmet. I will only feels... ride my twenty-six-year-old horse without. A helmet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Um, so you said you have two four-year-olds that you're doing the futurity with this year. So do you have any other horses or tell us a little bit about the horses that you have right now? Um, well, my two older mares, they just got, re- I've just finished running them last year. They're going to be bred this year. Um, so as long as they like to be mothers, they'll probably stay in that route. How, yeah. How old are they as retirees? They are, this year they turned 13 and 15. Oh, so they're pretty like middle-aged they'll have lots of good babies if they like to yeah. be mothers right yeah. um your typical barrel horses that's pretty typical most make them that long some of the rodeo horses that really go hard for a long time they'll some of them bow out at like 12 yeah. um but otherwise most of them can get to their teens there's plenty running in their late teens and 20s too some of the older nicer geldings that are still going um obviously a lot of maintenance involved yeah. um yeah uh, but so yeah, my two, those are the two, um, they're by the same stallion and they've kind of carried me through the majority of my, when I first crossed into rodeo, um, I guess not when I first, like after college, when I first got serious about pro rodeoing, um, I had these two, the one I got, she had a little bit of, her name is Bossy, um, her, her, her name is Lena's Little Redhead, I call her Bossy, she was the first one that really kind of came on and then i bought another mare by the same stallion um designs of red is her name i call her mia and they were i've they've been all over the nation they've won everywhere they were the ones that made got me the four great lake circuit finals qualifications and they both ran there they both placed in the rounds in the average um one is out bossy's out of a more cow bred mare um their sire is designer red he actually went to brazil um, <laughs> they took him. Those darn Brazilians. <laughs> right. They're just taking over. <laughs> Scraping up right. all the good I mean, ones. He just died like last week. Oh. Otherwise, he had, he was over there for a long time. Um, and That's they have so a nice. bunch of winners down there by him. So, And he was actually first raised over here in Victory Farms, um, which is actually right over here in Ada, Oklahoma. It's like an hour for me now. So, But so they're both by Designer Red. Bossy's out of a more cow bred mare, um, more the cow, the older technically cow horse bloodlines mia is more uh, quarter horse race horse bloodlines on the bottom yeah. um so it's kind of funny but they run very very similar <laughs> so uh i use them for they both had their strong suits so it was kind of nice that i always had one or the other depending on the the ground or the situation um bossy's a freight train so if there's any tricky gate setups or anything like that you don't ride bossy because she's gonna leave about 40 foot from the end of the gate and if you were in her way she's just gonna run you over (laughs) (laughs) yeah she is a freight train mia i could set her up and then bossy's running 90 no matter what like there is no okay it might be slippery over here please slow down like there's no such thing of that with her she's 90 and that's how fast she runs she's little she's not even she doesn't even stick to 14 through she's like 14 oh, one and a half she's like a pony she's a pony she's itty bitty <laughs> we, we've qualified for some pony races with her because she'll stick under 14 two. Cute. and uh but she has won one of the biggest deepest sandiest pins in the great lake circuit like a true standard pattern big deep like knee deep sand she won it she outrun all the big horses oh i love her already right (laughs) and she actually um 
because she's little, contracted Porter pneumonia, hauling home from uh, some rodeos out east. We went to Pennsylvania and New York, and uh, so she almost didn't make it. She spent two and a half weeks at the University of Minnesota in basically their ICU, and then uh, another four months of antibiotics, and then she actually did come back to probably about 90%. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, she she's kind of very very special. Um, she just wanted to live, so and yeah. she did. She sounds worth breeding to me. Oh yeah, she's she's great. <laughs> I don't know anything then... about barrel horse breeding, but <laughs> she sounds quality. She sounds good. Good work. And then Miss Mia is a great horse. She um she will let me put her anywhere I want her to be. She runs really good. Sometimes, sometimes we have arenas that have side gates where you have to like walk in like from the corner, walk along the bucking chutes and turn and go. So if you've got horses like Buffy that don't handle that well, (laughs) um, because she gets too excited, that's where Mia excelled because she would get just on her toes, but she'd never take off till I said go. Um, so and she was always really good if the ground was less than ideal kind of slippery things like that i could throttle her a little bit and she'd still really fire when i needed to or she'd let me kind of throttle her so she's won a lot and as far as all that goes in those kind of pens too so i've won the same amount of money on both of them as far as the this the there's a stats recording called equistat and most i won almost an identical amount of money on the two of them what is like the average pot so vendors are just not familiar with winning money we only spend money but um what (laughs) what's like the average pot if you're gonna win a, a decent sized barrel race there isn't um because it all depends on how big the barrel race is and the futurities like we have some of the futurity stuff has gotten into there's hundred thousand dollar futurity we call slot races um so you'll pay like the big one at the barrel futurities of america the bfa they have one for the three-year-olds coming four-year-olds that are going to be four-year-old futurity horses they run them the first weekend the first ever run that they're going to make as a competition horse you pay a five thousand dollar entry fee because that's fun. Let's gamble on a horse that's never had <laughs> yeah, right. run in its life. So you pay a $5,000 entry fee, and the first place horse wins 100000 What? Do they, like, only the first place horse wins money? No, they play down to, I think, 10 Wow. That's so so they, that was 100000 and then I think second place goes down to twenty five, and then I think the the. the the tenth place hole wins like seventeen hundred. So I don't know. Even if you place like seventh or eighth, you're still winning like seven grand. Um, so I won that's the maturity side. <laughs> I felt pretty good about yeah, it. Yeah, I won twenty five hundred dollars once. Yeah, that's true. Over five horse shows. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the rodeo stuff. So if you're going to go try to make the national finals rodeo, those standings are based on money won. If it's a normal year, so not during COVID. Um, usually they take the top 15 in the world based on money one. The first place girl going into the national finals rodeo will probably have won 130,000 for the year. What? The, the seventh or Before the 15th place girl, the last, <laughs> the last girl to get in and she's running to up until the last weekend and they are trading places at the bitter end, trying to win every dollar they can. will have won probably around $75,000 for the year. So is that then, um, taxable income or is that lottery winnings on taxes? No, it's, it's all taxable income. They will, the rodeos will 1099 you and you better claim it all. Oh, 1099. So, Interesting. <laughs> cool. Yes. 
And then at the National Finals Rodeo, so the girls that make it there, that's 10 rounds. So they're running basically 10 rodeos every single night. To win that, they pay 27000 to win the round. Whoa. So there's girls winning usually over 100000 And then they have the average. They have the fastest. Com- um, we call it an average. It's really an aggregate. We have, they add all the times together of the fastest 10 rounds. Uh, so the fastest over all 10 nights, you add five seconds if you hit any barrels. Um, five seconds per barrel, I should say. Mm-hmm. They That also, and then that's double the money. So if you win the average, you're winning around like $46,000. Wow. So there's girls that win like 130 for the year, and then they'll win over that, about that again at the national finals. So I think the, the world record right now, the, the earnings record, I think Haley Kinzel said it last year because she won... I know Sinead wouldn't have said it last year because last year was weird. Um, but <laughs> it's been, a, it was, it's somewhere in the vicinity of like 350000 for the year. Oh, wow. And then you presume these people get like sponsorships and things that pay them probably. And Once they get to that point, yes, most of them have area um, to you know, trailer sponsors. And uh, yeah, I think Haley's got Perina, probably um, Ariat, you know, then the Wrangler, Cinch, all, Colorado Tough, all, you know, all of the things. Wow, so cool. I think we might be in the wrong sport. Yeah. <laughs> See, um, that that is the nice thing. Like, if I'm gonna go run two horses and drop five hundred dollars on a weekend, like if I'm gonna go to just some like circuit rodeos, like when I was in the Great Lakes Circuit, like I was gonna go to three rodeos in a weekend. I'm going to spend between five and six hundred dollars on my entry fees and fuel going to these three rodeos, right? Okay, so like you guys from Minnesota, Liz, I know you know, like Hamill. Like if I'm gonna go yeah. to Hamill, Spooner, yeah. and I. Spooner, Wisconsin, and I, Sandy, Minnesota, those are three rodeos all in the same weekend. Those are three bigger rodeos, so the entry fees are more. Um, I was spending, because that wasn't super far of a drive for me, but I was spending, you know, between five and $600. I can at least go win. If I would have won all three of those rodeos, I could have won in the vicinity of, like, five grand. What? Oh, my God. What? We're definitely what? in the wrong sport. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is this a joke? God, it costs so. me to run two horses at an event in Florida where we don't have stabling or anything. Probably around 500 bucks. Just for a, entry. Just for entries. Not including driving there, like not being able to teach <laughs> lessons all day, like the loss of income. And we don't win any money. We might maybe win a ribbon. <laughs> Sometimes right. you get like a brush or pack, pack of treats or something if you're really yeah. high up in the standings. <laughs> but No, in barrel racing we give out money. And then like, so then in all those big barrel races, like I was at one last weekend where they like ended up getting a crazy amount of entries. They ended up having like a thousand entries. Um, that I think each of the, I think the open race added $10,000. So they just threw $10,000 more at the pot. And then most of the, I think it was a, usually it's like a $50 entry fee to some of the bigger races. And then you'll, they put 80% of that $50 also goes into the pot. Most wow. races are 80. Some get into 75%. So good for you. But yes. So if you win money, it's great. And then, okay. So I probably should talk about the the, um, barrel racing as far as jackpot barrel racing. We have what's called divisional barrel racing. So like this last weekend, I went to the big race. They call it the richest dinosaur. It was in Glen Rose, Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a five B barrel race. D stands for division. So, and how this works is. So, 
let's say that the fastest time ran of the whole weekend, um, or not the whole weekend, of, of the race. So some races are weekend long, some races are just during the day. The fastest time of the whole race was 15 seconds, 15 on the dot, 15, zero, zero, zero. Trail races go to the thousands, rodeos go to the hundreds. 15, zero, zero, zero. Okay, so that's your winner of your 1D. So then let's, we're going to pay 10 places in the 1D. So they're going to take 40, they're going to take a percentage of the pot. If, it, if it's a 40 rail race, they're going to take 40% of the whole pot and pay that to the, to the 1D. So they're going to pay 10 holes in the 1D. So then they're going to have what's called the 2D winner. And now you're going to take a half a second off the winning time, and that's your 2D winner. So whoever ran a 15, 5, 0, 0, or closest without going over is your 2D winner. And then they're going to, the 2D winner is going to win a little less than the 1D winner, but they're going to win a little more than like sixth in the 1D. And then you can also fall in the cracks. So if you run a 15, four, nine, six, you are too fast for money. Oh, interesting. Right, and then so it's a half a second split all the way down. So you have the 1D winner ran a 15-0, the 2D winner ran a 15-5, the 3D winner ran a 16-0, and the 4D winner ran a 16-5. They have made barrel racing very non-pro friendly because of that. Yeah, I'll bet. So some barrel races are equal pay where they pay the same in all divisions. People have issues with that, so not all of them are. Um, But... Most of them are progressive payout where they pay like 40, 30, 20, 10 to the divisions, 40 to the 1D, 30 to the 2D, etc. So there's still an incentive to be faster, but even if you don't have the fastest horses, it keeps it it non-pro family, it keeps it a little bit, you know, inexpensive, and it keeps entries up because you don't always have to have the fastest horse just to win money. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's good for the amateurs, but not, like you said, not so good for the pros, but... Well, as long as it's progressive or payout, the pros are fine. If it's an equal payout, they get a little upset. But the progressive payout, the pros still have the chance to win the most money because they're going to be riding the fastest horses anyway. Do you, is, is rodeo your primary source of income or do you work elsewhere? Well, when I was rodeoing full-time and everything like that too, I also did give lessons. Oh, okay. Similar to like you guys. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. (laughs) Is there any like a common misconception about rodeo or barrel racing that you like hear all the time that you're like oh that's not true (laughs) well there's like entire songs about us (laughs) (laughs) country songs aside (laughs) um the biggest i guess in that as far as like the outside um are you a buckle bunny I am not. <laughs> okay, there's there's a numero uno. All barrel races are buckle bunnies. What are, what's um, a buckle bunny? You like go after the rodeo guys who win the buckles yes. or something. You like love buckles. Yes. <laughs> oh. Or you love taking off buckles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's that. Okay. You try to steal him. <laughs> you hide him. Instead of stealing his watch, you steal his buckles. Yeah. You don't want a rodeo cowboy, I promise. <laughs> Sounds fun in, pra- in theory, not fun in practice. Yeah. Okay, um, sorry. So common misconception. You said you were here right. a lot. <laughs> and in just the equine world, everyone that doesn't involve air racing thinks it's really kind of ram jam, not a lot of horsemanship, just kind of a running crazy and, you know, it's just whatever happens, happens. Um, not true. We spend as 
much time as that because you know training these horses and tuning them and and teaching them to do it correctly so that we can have an athlete that lasts a long time yeah um that's for obviously the upper levels and where everyone tries um barrel raisers (laughs) but they're crazy in the sense that they're always looking for the next big thing the next thing that's going to um make their horse faster because all we are is the clock and so whether it be the next thing to inject the next therapy the next whatever the barrel racers typically know about it rather quickly and it spreads really fast (laughs) what's like a typical maintenance regimen for an actively running barrel horse like do they get joint injections are they on supplements like what is maintaining an actively running barrel horse like all of those things. Um, a lot of people <laughs> have their supplements that they that they like and things like that. And then yes, if you are you know having some issues, we most people will take them to the vet and go ahead and inject things. Um, biggest things we have to deal with are hocks and stifles. Sure. Um, Same as us. Yeah. Yep. And then of course front feet um, at times. But uh, and then you know we can get into knees and SIs and all that thing. Um, they're discovering lately a lot of kissing spine in horses, in yeah. barrel horses. Um, so I, that's kind of the, the the thing right now that everyone seems to be checking for is kissing spine if their horse isn't working. Um, and but then of course it always becomes just the same thing: is your horse unsound or is it untrained? So, yeah, right. Um, Impossible to say on any given day. <laughs> same for us. <laughs> But yeah, so I would say hocks and stifles, most people are doing them, you know, some people say they do them every six months, some people do them ahead of when they need to be done. I'm a when do they need it kind of thing. Um, I would say, like, Bossy and Mia only had their hocks and stifles done three times in their career each. I was lucky they were pretty sound. Um, They had more front feet issues, I guess, but barrel horses typically have quarter horse feet and they have terrible feet. Quarter horses have terrible feet. So when would uh, you say running quarter horses, which most of our barrel horses are bred from running quarter horses. So they all have awful feet. So when would you like start injecting them? Like your four year olds, like, do they already get injections or you wait till they're like eight? Um, it's whatever. Um, my one four-year-old, he is race bred, but he never did go to, he didn't go to the track. My mom bought him as a yearling. So he has yet to have had anything. My other one, she came from a cutting program. So she's actually cutting bread. Um, but so she was in pretty heavy work because the cutters, their maturity is at the end of their three-year-old year. year. So they kind of really start working them pretty hard as two-year-olds into their three-year-old year. And then they start cutting them. And then they start, and then they start deciding whether they're going to make it to the fraternity or not, what kind of middle of their fraternity year. So that's why I was able to get her because she wasn't, she, she wasn't going to cut it to be a cutting yeah. <laughs> so, or to be good enough for their big fraternity. Like she sure. can go cut on like a weekend show and be just fine, but she wasn't good enough for their fraternity per se. Um, with, like I said, with the particular program she was in, I guess. She was owned by a non-pro, and he, they can only show two of them in the fraternity, and she was number four at the time, so they huh. cut her. Um, so anyway, she has been injected once in her stifles, but it's like I said, because it was more of a, we had to reduce the inflammation because she had been in a program. And plus, cutters yeah. typically stall and do all those things. Most barrel racers turn their horses out. Cutters are more into stalling, and they work really hard, and the things that create all the inflammation. So right. I have had her done once. Um, my gelding, who I 
I always tell him, I'm like, literally, you have never had a hard day in your life. Don't even why. (laughs) (laughs) I've been, I did pretty much 90% of the work, 99% of the work on him. We sent him to a racehorse guy for like 10 rides. Um, He did a really good job, but my mom was like convinced something was going to happen. So she sent him to a racehorse guy. (laughs) He's never bucked a day in his life, but um, so he put like 10 rides on him and then I've done the rest with him. So he has never given me any reason to go be injected yet but he's also super confirmationally correct for barrel racing and so it's really easy for him so he doesn't most of the injecting comes from using themselves incorrectly which you know can stem from bad writing all the things you guys call that so yeah yeah. so if you're to get like the horse off the track so you would get a a quarter horse race horse do they are those this might be a dumb question, but are quarter horses also jockey club horses, or is that only thoroughbreds? No, they're not. The jockey club is the thoroughbred registry, and all the quarter horse race horses are registered by AQHA. Oh, okay. So, so I have a horse, a young horse, and his mom is an AQHA horse. But I don't. I wonder if she was a racehorse. Yeah, she might have be. been. Yeah. She's a pony so, right? She no, she's full AQHA. She doesn't have any thoroughbred until I think the grandsire or something oh yeah interesting well the thing that was aqha is is an appendix horse so, so the one that was bred with or bred the, the foal if you race it and it gets a certain speed index or if they achieve 10 points in any performance class you can advance their papers to full quarter horse so they won't even show up as appendix anymore oh so a lot so of she could true oh yeah a lot of true appendix literally just everybody thinks it's a breed it's not it's literally just it's an appendix to the aqha registry it's just the thing that they bred to the thoroughbreds but then you can advance them to full quarter horse papers if they are a certain speed on the on the track or they perform in any class they have to win 10 points and then you can advance them so that they are no longer in the appendix registry so yeah it's really not a breed it's really just they're quarter horses but they haven't been advanced to full status because the only thing you can breed a quarter horse to to get a registered horse is a thoroughbred. Um, so, to, but then what, that's why they did that was because of the appendix registry, but then you can advance them. So most of your racing quarter horses have a lot of thoroughbred back in them, but you won't know it because they've, ad, they've all ran on the track and advanced them to full quarter horse papers. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like my all race bred horse so he's his sire is stoli and then um he's out of a daughter of stoli is out of a daughter of beduino beduino was a thoroughbred and but stoli's mom strawberry silk was raced so she was advanced to full quarter horse status and then she was bred to first down dash to get stoli so stoli automatically had quarter horse papers Okay, so if an appendix gets advanced with their papers and then you breed to another quarter horse, that's automatically an AQHA registry horse. Yes, no, okay. you don't deal with appendix anymore. Okay, huh. cool. So you can, you can like, get rid of the Sully appendix name if you need to. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people think it's a breed. It's not. It's truly the, it's an appendix to the AQHA registry. Okay. Like, they have their own little registry 
for those horses, but then you can advance them and then they'll give them their own AQHA number. Okay. Yeah. I, I always thought it was a breed, so I'm glad that you told us that. <laughs> they're they're just quarter horses. Okay. I would just call them a quarter horse. Um, half the time, and like in the brow world, we don't even distinguish between them. Um, oh. The only thing is you can't breed an appendix to appendix to get a quarter horse. That is not, oh. unless you advance their papers. Oh, okay. So if so you bred two advanced their papers horses then it would yes count. okay yes but you cannot breed appendix to appendix and get a registerable full oh wow huh yeah. but i mean like i've never been deterred from buying one that was especially um well i i very rarely have i seen them um and then especially like if they're a gelding i really don't care because i'm not gonna breed them anyway yeah um, right? obviously in the mares it would be more of an issue especially for me because i breed um but I wouldn't really shy away from one because as long as I go breed to a full quarter horse, if I go breed an appendix mare to a full quarter horse stallion, I will get an appendix full. Yeah. That's the only thing. And then you had, um, you'd have to worry about advancing. It I'd papers. have to race it or show it to advance it. Okay. Okay. So I just sent you the, my horse's mother. Did you get that? Okay. So that I, so is she a quarter horse? Yes, and it's because Indian artifacts, he was advanced a long time ago because he showed. Oh, so she is, like, by She's a full quarter horse. She's got the blue paper, you know, the blue around the papers. So that mare is a full quarter horse. And it's, yes, it's because they bred that Elaine Myra to Artful Move to get Indian artifacts, but they showed Indian artifacts. So he advanced, his papers were able to be advanced through showing. Wait, how do you know that? Just because you know that? Because or like, I know that horse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, you can't tell by, like, looking at the papers, though, right? No, I okay. just know that because I know Indian artifacts <laughs> because I, I'm an old horse show girl and he was a hunty horse. <laughs> oh, wow, that's cool. Super cool. So what oh, would you was... say um, is, like, what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? It doesn't necessarily have to be show-related, just, like, your greatest horse-related accomplishment. Mine was probably being able to take those two mares and be able to run them as much as I did and keep them as sound and happy and going for as long as I did. (laughs) That's probably what I would say my greatest accomplishment was. Um, Just to keep them at that level, it was so much work, but I was, and, you know, just to keep them sound and the same and that competitive for as long as they were and as different as they were, um, to you know body shape wise because they are very different to look at um and very different minded uh they ran the same that was <laughs> that did help but um that was probably my greatest accomplishment i think uh to have brought those mares along neither one of them was finished when i got them um mia had never been to an, a competitive race when i got her i got her when she was four and i only had 90 about 90 days of learning the barrels when I got her. Bossy had ran some, but she was in her first year of running. Um, so you basically produced was, them. Yeah. I mean, I say I, I would like to say I finished them is usually what I say people. Like they okay. were kind of started when I got them, but I finished them. And then I did all of their seasoning hauling, things like that. That's so, cool. um, yeah, but really keeping cool. them was good. And then I did with the, um, it was actually Bossy's little sister. She was out of the same Mayor is bossy, but a different sire. She was the one that I was the Futurity Reserve World Champion on, and I um, have one of my arena records on her and stuff. She was a big accomplishment because she she was just a little winner. Um, oh. 
<laughs> but like like bossy she was a fun little horse so um i just pride myself on making confident consistent horses yeah. um i'm not real big on trying to get them too quick too fast um i don't barrel racers love bits too that's the other thing they love a lot of barrel racers <laughs> uh-huh. think that they have to have 50 bits in their trailer um i ride in like three yeah, <laughs> so yeah. what kind are they like um actually they are most of them are on like a shorter shank or i do have a draw bit and um there's a lady her name is cindy wright um her husband designs these mouthpieces mm-hmm. um so they're kind of different yeah. <laughs> um but anyway they're they're like a three piece but instead of like the dog bone being a small the smallest part the center portion is the widest part so it's like so a Bristol, it, probably yeah it like works a French link. cool yeah it works yeah. on um like the corners of their mouth um yeah, I would I would almost call it more similar to like a mullen. Yeah, but so, um, but it, it is broken at the corners of their mouth. Huh. So, but I don't know. I've and then I I've, I've never put big bits on. I usually I don't run in tie downs. I don't have to run in bonnets. I don't. I kind of just leave them all pretty in pretty light bits. And What's pretty, a bonnet? Um, the it's so similar to a, a tie down goes over their nose, a bonnet goes over their head, like their pole. It goes on either side of their ears. Oh, <laughs> so like so it like pulls their pole down, like to the girth. Yeah, yeah it's attached to between the front legs, just like a tie down would be. Huh. Oh, wow! It's like a neck stretcher. Yeah, <laughs> but probably not elastic. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so some people run a nose because they still want their horses to be able to stick their nose out and run a little bit, but they still can't elevate their head so much huh. um, because we don't really have to, you know, we don't have to ride at the vertical or anything like that. Like, it's whatever in barrel racing. So um, I've never, ever even used a bonnet. Like, I've used a tie-down every um, a little bit sometimes as a training tool because yeah. they can balance on them. Uh, they can balance on a tie-down. So sometimes so I've, I've got one that I'm, like okay they're not figuring this out i'll put it on for a little while but then i typically take it off um i just don't i'm not one of those people but that's like a, that's the thing there's a hundred ways to yeah. do it and so a lot of people rely on those tools and they really have figured out when to use those tools and yeah. if it works for them by all means so so is there anyone in barrel racing that you idolize or that you like really look up to um my favorite person that i probably really think is the best rider um is a lady named lisa lockhart she's from western south dakota when she rides her horses she literally doesn't do much because she has them so trained to go to the exact spot that they are supposed to be um and they're really confident horses she had a buckskin horse named louie there for a while and he was just the coolest thing to watch run because no matter what it was he went to his spot and she never had to do anything but turn her hand over but there was typically mostly slack in her reins because he never put a foot wrong um she was she's probably the most one of the most consistent barrel racers that i admire um there's a girl going right now that's winning she's won three world championships in a row her name is Haley kinsel she has an outstanding mental game um and she has kind of shared that with different people or different sources and she's come up with different um like coaching mechanisms and stuff and her stuff is really really neat and she just seems like a super genuine person and then another girl that i recently got to meet last summer um 
and she's made the national finals the last couple of years. Her name is Emily Miller. It's now Emily Beasel. Um, she is just the nicest, sweetest, most genuine person. Yeah. Um, that I, I, in and you know the horse world, it's just hard to come by. And yeah. uh, she was just super sweet and nice. And then, and then I learned so much from Cindy Wright, the lady whose bits that I use. Yeah. Um, she taught me a lot about the beating up and the round pen things, and a lot about my the footwork of my horses and making confident horses and things like that. So. I've had a, I've had a few um, people that I really admire and look up to, and everybody has to have somebody to call when you, when you're stuck. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> right. So as far as that goes, there's a lot of. It seems like they've come a long way with sharing information as far as that goes. Um, you know, of course, social media and coaching, and it's all pretty mainstream now. So yeah. If there was another yeah. horse discipline you'd be interested in, if you didn't do rodeo, what do you think you would like? Probably cutting. Yeah, cutting is <laughs> um, so fun. I know. I really like it, and I like. At least you can still win money. Like it's still very money, and um, they also have. It's very up the levels based. You know, they have so many different levels and things like that. Um, and I like the horses, and I like the glamour. I also do like the racehorse industry too. The quarter horse racehorses. Um, I, I would just like to own them <laughs> um, and then kind of sort of be involved in their training. I have no desire to ride one, but um, yeah. until they're off the track. But I do um, have a lot of experience with those bloodlines and whatnot, too. So um, another thing that I could see myself doing is to, is sail fitting um, some of those younger quarter horse racehorses. I would like to do that, too. Yeah, that would be fun. And it would be I always thought it'd be fun to show up as like like with thoroughbred racing just come as an owner in my big hat and my proceedings yeah. and be like someone please give me a cocktail my horse is next <laughs> well i'm a super big bloodline aqha bloodline junkie so i always pay attention i usually in all the disciplines try to keep up with the top studs and things like that so i like cutting. i could also probably do raining too that would be probably a close second to cutting if i didn't run barrels have you ever done any English riding other than like pleasure? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I actually evented for like two summers before I switched over to the um, pleasure horses. Wait, you did? Uh huh. Who would you ride with? Mary Highland. Oh, at Highland Hills. Yeah, Mary Shane. From Shockby. She was in Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually where I started riding too. Yeah, I think that's how many people started at Mary. So right. I started there. I think we, my friend and I spent a summer there, a couple summers there. Do you and, remember uh, what horses you rode? Didn't everybody ride dino pony? Yes, he was the best. <laughs> and I rode a horse named MP. He was, like, literally 45 and, like, a huge bay horse, but he was, like, the best. I think I rode dino the most, or I rode a little white Welsh pony. His name was King. Um, I don't remember him. I rode a horse named Gypsy there. Uh, wasn't that the big buckskin? No, it was like a. Horse? I feel like it was like a roan, like Arabian. That I think the assistant trainer Carolyn. She. Okay. That was probably that after I was. No, that would have been after I was there. But I, I don't know. I have pictures on Dino. Like, I know. Pictures on Dino. I Dino. Dino <laughs> Pony was the first horse I ever fell off of. <laughs> right. So I did that for two summers, and then that I think I did that when I was like thirteen and fourteen, and then when I was fourteen, I got. Carly, who was my big hunt seater, my big paint hunt seater. Um, so then I pretty much switched over to the pleasure horse thing after that. 
but then I showed mostly hunt feet for pleasure. Yeah. I, mean, I showed a little bit of Western, but I showed mostly hunt feet. What else do you like to do outside of horses? Like, do you have any other hobbies you do or? Uh, um, does anybody like <laughs> Um, actually, I recently picked up at the end of August, I picked up CrossFit. And, oh my um, gosh, you're intense. <laughs> I do, and I have to say it has improved my riding. Yeah. Um, I go three days a week to a fun little gym in the next town over here in Oklahoma, and uh, it's improved my riding. I'm stronger. So I have, you, like, so I you... come out of running barrels and I can breathe. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's always and nice. You're not a bleeder helps... then. <laughs> right. I just wear and a flare strip. my core and... <laughs> And all those things. I think it's helps me be more stable and strong, especially by one younger horse. He's really strong. And yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm able to stay with him a lot more. That's cool. Um, because I'm stronger. So I guess that was the thing. Otherwise, I don't, I mean, I like to go on a boat when I can. Yeah. But <laughs> Who doesn't? That's on the weekends. And, you know, we're always at a barrel race on the weekend or a rodeo. So I know you guys said the same thing. Does anybody have other outside hobbies? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> Hobbies like a really strong word for yeah. outside things I do, but... Like, we like to do other things, but we just don't have time to. <laughs> I have outside interests, but not hobbies. Yeah. Well, as I mean, if CrossFit wasn't during the week, I couldn't do it. But being it's during the week, I could fit it into the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but otherwise, yeah, that's kind of what I guess. But I don't know. But that, that's the only reason I do it is, too, is because it's to make my riding better. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, so that's the lowdown. Well, so I'm not sure if you've listened to our podcast or not, but the one of the segments that we do is called Saddle Sores. It's a saddle sore. Okay. And uh, we'll give you, we can do ours a little bit first, I guess. Um, but it's basically something that bothers you and it could be anything like it doesn't have to be horse related like you could be like I hate when people walk down the wrong side of the road or whatever (laughs) (laughs) um so I'll start because I have a uh, a good one but I have noticed here in Ocala people walk down the side of the road wait I literally was kidding when I said I know but that's you're vibing off of me I guess so the people are always walking down the road there's no shoulders they're just walking either in the road or right on the line and I am scared I'm gonna whack them because I'm not the most attentive driver that's ever driven on the road I would say you're quite attentive when you drive really thank you I mean, probably, but, uh, yeah, so I'm always scared that I'm going to, like, mow them down and Or, you know, if it's, like, getting dark out and you can't, you, like, see them at the last second, or, or I hate when bikers are on, like, the line, I'm, like, all I can envision is they, like, hit a, or, yeah, like, they swerve, or they, like, hit a stick and tip over, and you just squish them, like, that's, that's my saddle sore. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I have to think of a saddle sword. Uh-oh. Say, I have one. Okay, go. All right, let's hear it. So, obviously, because I've rodeoed and traveled a bunch, I don't know, you guys might even have said this one, cars at the diesel pump. Oh, oh my gosh! No, actually, that is what we were talking about <laughs> yeah. today with Laura. It's the worst. Cars at 
a diesel pump when there's 18 freaking car pumps open and you're just sitting there drives me nuts like and you're got trailer full of horses and you're like come on i'm just trying to get to the place i need to go (laughs) i don't think if you've never driven a diesel i don't think they literally even realize there's like a difference and that you can't get diesel at every pump well, or just when people at any pump, like even if like you go to get gas and like I have a little Honda Accord, you go to the gas station, it's small. There's like a couple pumps and there's like every pump is full and nobody is out there. Yeah. You're like, where yeah. is everybody? Why are we all parked at the pumps? <laughs> They've like gone in to take their morning poop and just left yeah. their car at the pump. <laughs> like, Come on. <laughs> oh, but no, that's hands down my cars with the diesel pump. That's hate a, it. That's Can't a really it. good one. Worst pet peeve. <laughs> that is funny. That's like what I was talking to more about today because she had to get fuel and was like, there was nobody outside. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would have to say my saddle sore is having to clip the horses in the winter so often. Yeah. Like, they just grow their coats so fast. I've given up, and I have this great girl that comes and does clipping for us. <laughs> and I'm just over it. You just get all covered in hair. It's itchy. It takes it's so forever. Itchy. It's boring. Ugh. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. It's a sore. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> this has been fun. <laughs> thank you. I feel like I learned so much because my knowledge of barrel racing was so rudimentary. And I just, I know that every facet of the equine world has got its own culture and its own thing and I'm it's fun to learn about a different one because there's it's just so different it's like the same basics at the end of the day we all love horses we want our horses to be happy healthy and confident but in such like different sports right it's cool yeah Yeah, it is it's like you said like the core is always there and then the basic positives and negatives are usually in every yeah, event but right. then yeah but it's yeah like you said it's just all its own cult culture of whichever one you picked yeah and it is definitely interesting so i hope i was entertaining and yeah. give you guys something different yeah absolutely i think our listeners are going to be really excited to hear about this right <laughs> it's so random yeah. like <laughs> right just out of nowhere bell racing yeah <laughs> so, definitely well when liz and i switch over to the barrels then it'll make sense to we'll everyone. call you to give us lessons. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna need them. Liz, so. I know that there's a Facebook video of you barrel racing on Hannah B because yeah. you tagged me in it years ago. I'm sure that <laughs> I used to barrel race Hannah B and she'd be <laughs> It was probably like a 30 second run. <laughs> Barrels all falling all over the yeah. place. But she was so she was so broke she just kinda did it. Like she was like, okay. Yeah, she'd be like she'd like do a little flying lead change. We'd like turn around the barrel. <laughs> My horse is scared of barrels. So yeah. I, I think it would go yeah. great. <laughs> Oh. Uh, well, my other barrel horses and my other horses are still scared of barrels because then they have to wrap them differently at every barrel race. And I'm like, okay. Oh. Like, so I guess I, I never so- thought of that. I want the white <laughs> barrels, not the red ones. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. And um, we'll look forward to putting this out. It yeah, we'll be- let you know when it goes live. It should be. Yeah, next- definitely. I'll share it and hopefully you guys a few more followers too. So. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Thanks, girls. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 That was so cool. It was really fun. Yeah. We're going to become barrel racers now, everyone. (laughs) I mean, there's just, like, way more money in it, it sounds like. I don't know. I mean, to pay $500 for two horses with a potential... I mean, how hard is it to win? Like, like where she said she would go to the barrel race and could possibly win $5,000. Like, is that, like, a good chance? Sub... 
16, sub 17, which seems very fast to me, but I don't know. Maybe the, we can get our horses to do CrossFit and then, yeah, <laughs> and then they'd be really good barrel horses. I mean, I, ju- I have a baby. I could just train him up to be a barrel horse. Yeah, I got it. The first we'll old bar- barrel we'll horse. Kirby, Kirby and Kuna are going to be barrel <laughs> horses. <laughs> Yeah, stay tuned for that. <laughs> oh man, this this life is just epic. All yeah. the lives, <laughs> all the horse lives. Um, do we have any updates? Probably not, because these pods are just coming out so quick. We already wrap a fire on everything. I think that's it. Um, it's raining here in Ocala. Not men though. <laughs> not raining men. <laughs> not hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's it for the night. Thank you guys for listening, and we will just talk to you later. Bye. Bye.